Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. The Hornets will never lose again. Ooh. Sorry. Sound like you're like 15. <laughs> you sound like my son in the Dead back gum. yelling. I just hit puberty. I also heard from Mark from Gastonia earlier today, and so I just got done doing a Mark from Gastonia impression. Maybe that's still on the brain. But the Hornets are never losing again. Four-game win streak after the trade deadline. Everybody's talking about it. Eric Collins signs off with it yesterday. He says, hey, I heard a smart man say that the Hornets just might not ever lose anymore. And I trust that person. Here they are after beating the Utah Jazz for the first time since they were the Bobcats in 2006. And we are having a party about it on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I can't believe that mathematically, after only having 13 wins going into last night, mathematically, there still is a shot for Fitty to put peanut butter all over his head. Man, I'm really rooting for the Hornets now if I ever did. Fitty tried to make me pay him before we actually got mathematically eliminated from that possibility. And then he even said, okay, once they officially can't win 37 games, then you pay me. And I still said, no, of course, he's going to have to wait for this until the regular season is over. Mm -hmm. But now you just might have to put peanut butter all over your head because of the great coaching job that Steve Clifford is leading for this squad with all of the new additions post-trade deadline. How worried are you about that GIF? Going on top of the dome. It's amazing what happens when you get rid when you get rid of a perennial losing player like PJ Washington. You upgrade <laughs> at the position, a move you could have done back in the summer. You could have brought Grant Williams here in July. You could have, but you brought back PJ. It's amazing what happens when when you upgrade the talent in and around the roster. Can I be a coward and go full Mad Dog Russo and threaten to quit if I end up losing the bet, but just not quitting because? JD's not a quitter. You right. can do that. We know you're not going to quit anyway. Well, I can't quit you, baby. Walker, I could quit because he called me dumb. <laughs> you. He is not letting that go. He got really hurt yesterday about that whole back and forth when we were talking about Anthony Rendon's comments about putting faith and family before baseball. And he was saying, as a fan, as a fan, I don't want to hear it. And then I called that whole thing dumb and he hasn't let me forget about it. We talked about it after the show. We talked about it first thing when we walked into the fishbowl, and now here we are almost. It's second thing. Here we are talking about it with the second topic, him still not being able to get over it. I needed T-Bone yesterday at 235 as opposed to 1035 because mm-hmm. I asked him about it because, of course, they talked about it on their show, and he was he understood where I was coming from. Who, but, Bone did? Yeah, that's that's what I, you know, listening goes a long way in radio. All mm-hmm. right, Fitty, you can sh- shut off your mic for the rest of the show, and we can just get <laughs> off of the bus. Shut off your mic. Start driving the bus and open up the doors. Let's do it. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Kick it! I can feel it! Are you still going to be mad at me the rest of the show? Like, are you just going to continue to try to throw in as many jabs as you can because you can't get over a bad take from yesterday? Or are we going to be able to be adults and move on from this? No, I mean, look, I'm, <laughs> I'm fine as long as... 
You're fine. <laughs> I don't think that's true because I've been fine this whole time, and you continue to bring it up. I'm not mad about what the Charlotte Hornets are doing, though. They stay hot, and Fiddy is right about Grant Williams playing well last night, at least from three-point land. He hit six of them on his 11 attempts from the outside, and he has continued to provide a big impact off of the bench. Let's hear from Grant Williams on the big win they had against Utah on the road. Feels like home. It's one of those things that, you know, you feel believed in, you feel loved, and you're just trying to do your best to help the team and help the city. I know this is way before your time, but kind of cool. The Hornets have not won in this building since 2006. You were eight years old. How does it feel just a Charlotte native being able to break an 18-year drought? Yeah, we talked about it before the game. Like, we talked about, you know, making history of this team, being a team that, you know, starting the season doesn't matter. Um, it's all about from here on out what habits we build um, and who we're trying to be from the future and for, for now. So um, this win was special. It's a very, very hard play to, place to win. Utah has some of the best fans in the league, and it's, it's, they show every single night. So uh, it feels good to get a win here. Polarizing take on Utah having the best fans in the league. What do you think about Grant Williams and some of the other bench players that are helping out this team? Win four straight here, Wes. It's a new look. Grant Williams been tremendous since he got here. Hitting shots, I guess, being back at home has really energized him. Hornets lose the battle on the boards last night, but they made up for it. As far as uh, they were plus eight in steals, they were plus ten in the turnover department, and that's tremendous. And also their three-point shooting was tremendous, 47.6% for them as opposed to 23.1% from the Jazz. So they out-hustled uh, Utah last night, and they shot the ball better from beyond the arc, and that was the main reason that they got the victory. Miles Bridges, you know, he had a, a big-time double-double, and the Hornets got out on the break when need be. They outscored the Jazz in fast break points. Uh, as well. So you got to love what you're seeing. Everybody was wondering what was going to happen after the break. For a while there during the game, you thought maybe they were going to take the L and things were going to go back to where they once were. But nah, man, this team looks like they are for real. I'm not saying they're a playoff team or anything like that, but this team looks like uh, they are very competent as we go through the rest of the season. Mature win for them. The fact that they didn't allow the All-Star break to take away their momentum. They had a bad third quarter. That's shown up quite a bit this Hornet season. But yet, they finished the job, and they played very good defense in the fourth quarter. They only allowed 17 points against Utah. I think their team defense has has vastly yes. improved. And so I was talking about this just a little while ago on Charlotte Sports Today. The team defense, those guys are flying around. And even still, with guys like Trey Mann, LaMelo Ball, when he comes back, you still don't have that point of attack defender that you can trust to keep the basketball in front of you. That's You're still seeing the basketball get behind that first line of defense. It's starting to get into the paint. The good thing is you have so many other players that know where to be when they rotate in order to help out in those situations. Brandon Miller, I thought, was very good defensively. Not even a good offensive night from him at, by his standards. The efficiency wasn't quite there. Missed a decent amount of shots. Good floor game, in my opinion. And I thought he was very good defensively. Blocked a lob attempt when he wasn't even supposed to be in on that defensive play. He was supposed to be out on the wing. I thought Brandon was very good. And I think Grant Williams, he's not a good rebounder, and that showed up big time in this one. Like he, He's one of the worst rebounders in the league, and I think that showed itself here with John Collins going up for what was it, 18 boards, Walker Kessler getting a lot of rebounds, and Grant Williams gave you zero. But when you go 6 of 11 from deep, you can offset that. 
And that's exactly what he did. And that's consistency from him. Like, when we do the Grant Williams and P.J. Washington comparison, P.J. Washington also not a good rebounder. You did find one of the few guys that are worse than him at rebounding. But Grant Williams, much more consistent shooter. Like, P.J., when he would go off, then he would go off. That was the thing. Every other game was the joke about him. Grant Williams can shoot, and he can consistently shoot. And that's what's helping this team out right now. And so when you play small ball five, you put Grant out there, he can stall you out and hold his position when you dump the ball down low to a big guy. So he doesn't give up a lot of points in those post-up opportunities, and so you can't gain any momentum. But then offensively, you just have him float on the three-point line and then just let him chuck it because he can shoot as long as he has enough distance, and that's what's been helping him. In fact, Wes, Michich couldn't buy a shot, but Trey Mann can certainly shoot. Whew, he had a bunch of wow moments in this one, and that's why Bertans, hopefully he's able to come back from his hyperextended knee that kept him out after he hit that third three. But he comes in, shoots three field goals from distance, makes all of them, nine points in six minutes of play. Everybody plays their role pretty damn well, and that's what allows them to have as many wins as they have recently. Yeah, man, and so you've got to be excited to see what's going to happen once LaMelo returns and gives them even more firepower. But uh, this team is rolling right now, man, and you've got to be excited because, if anything, a lot of teams would have packed it up when they had the record that the Hornets had uh, before this win streak started. A lot of teams would have just been like, okay, you know, keep going out. Whatever happens, happens. But uh, I think with this infusion of new blood that's brought that into the locker room. So guys aren't sitting around. They weren't a part of the losing, the first part of the season. And so now this is a crew that's coming in and they're just playing like they have nothing to lose. They're playing hard. And I think that uh, Coach Clifford has to be loving that. You can text us on the FanDuel text line. Remember, the number is 704-570-9610. 704-570-9610. We have Bebop from Rock Thrill writing in. Worried about LaMelo, who's going to come in and come up the, and come up and mess up the thing with his yellow attitude. It feels like that was a bad text, but I get mm-hmm. your point. You're worried about LaMelo being integrated back into the system because it is such a different look. Like, here we are where everybody's saying, who are these Charlotte Hornets? Why is it so different? How are they winning these games? And then we start to break it down a little bit as to why they're doing so. But we can also just keep it simple. Wes, when you go to the trade deadline and you bring in five new players and they all start or come off of the bench and you have an eight, nine-man rotation, we'll even go with nine, and that brings down the number. Over 50% of your rotation changes. Over 50. It's not even close to the same team. So, of course, you're going to have very different results when over 50% of your rotation, and even up to 60 and more sometimes, yes, it's going to be a very different look. And so the fact that you bring in these guys that are veterans, that just know how to play the game, and you also collect assets... Whether it's Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall, whether it was Mitch Kupchak's parting gift, whoever it was, whether it was Michael Jordan with his 5% ownership stake still having some pull in basketball operations, whoever it was, they set up the Hornets as well as you possibly could with the second half of the season and beyond. And that's the thing, too, man. You talk about where this roster is, and we'll see what happens once the offseason comes, but you got to be excited because another lottery pick is going to enter into the mix. Who knows what they do uh, with that, what type of player they get with that, man. But I think you've got uh, a nice foundation now to usher in this new 
era of ownership for the Hornets. And now I feel like they've got the type of team that they can build around and kind of just tweak parts and then uh, just get this thing going in the right direction as the season closes and then have some really good momentum going into the offseason. Somebody checked me on Walker Kessler. I said he had a lot of rebounds. He only had two. I got my white guys mixed up, and I apologize about that. <laughs> Laurie Markkinen had nine. Taylor Hendricks had nine. But Collins did have 18. Collins was an absolute beast on the boards last night. And that's how the Charlotte Hornets got out-rebounded so badly. So speaking of another dude that doesn't rebound very well, P.J. Washington, not on the team anymore. Just like all these guys that leave the team, they all find a way to become the villain, Wes. Mm. Whether it's Kelly Oubre goes to Philadelphia saying it's nice to play for a team that actually has fans that care. Whether it's Terry, whether it's Terry Rozier that goes to Miami and has his comments about the different culture and how different it is every single night. P.J. Washington now on the list. Every single one of them. Anytime they leave, they become the villain. Here's the latest example of that with PJ's comments after a fourth straight win down in Dallas. Last time winning four games in a row? No. <laughs> I was just telling somebody in the locker room, I think this is the longest win streak I've ever had in my career, so I'm just happy to be here. It's not true, PJ. Come on. He literally was a part of a winning streak last year. I know. That made our very own Willie P dye his hair blue it was a five game winning streak yeah it was longer i think it stopped at five it stopped at five but it was five now the other thing here is it's not like they've had a lot of these okay he has been a part of six different force uh game winning streaks which is enough to choose from and say that hey i've at least experienced this before but clearly it hasn't been a lot he was laughing and it's been a while since he's experienced it i guess over a year's worth of time but even still they all find a way even malik monk when he's off of the team, he's like, yeah, they were running a bunch of the same stuff when I was here and we could call out their defensive game plan. And so we were able to beat it as bad as we wanted to. Everybody has these comments for the Hornets once they leave, man. I just hope the and they changes. all help play a part. I know. In it. That's the thing. That's the wildest about it. No self-awareness. Fitty should play that clown show uh, for that comment. <laughs> clown like show. I said, all these guys were part of the reason the culture was how it was, and then when they leave, they got something to say. Which, which is unfortunate because with Terry, like Terry, I think most people hated to see go. PJ was polarizing. More people actually like seeing him go. But they still had the message to the Charlotte Hornets fans. They didn't have that with Gordon Hayward. He didn't give an exit interview because they knew what the responses was were, were going to be. They knew what the replies were going to be. Yeah. But like with PJ, it was like, hey, it's all love. And then people had a you know some nice messages for him as he's going to Dallas. Same thing for Terry Rozier. And then they have these comments. Part of it, if we want to be realistic, are just them not remembering. It's them not saying what they truly feel, in my opinion. Like, they're just, oh, yeah, they're just kind of going along with the good vibes, a different scenery, whatever. But the other part of it is like, yeah, y'all contributed to this. Like, PJ, I'm, I'm the one that defends you, but I can't defend your rebounding. Like, I'll defend your defense, but rebounding is not anything that's been a strong suit, and that's hurt this team quite a bit. Like, your inconsistent shooting from outside, it's hurt. Terry Rozier, your defense, despite you saying the team needs to buy in, and yet we always see you get beat like that's hurt this team and so it's been a real problem fitty before we go to break i know you had one other take about the hornets that you wanted to share chris mcclain just wanted me to ask you after pj's comments last night are you still going to be his personal defense lawyer or are you finally going to turn your back on him like he's turned his back on the fan base like he did on defense when he wasn't getting back in transition i'm a defensive attorney for the charlotte hornets and so pj washington is no longer a part of the hornets team now i defend grant williams 
Now I defend Brandon Miller. I defend Steve Clifford. I defend anybody on this squad. I'm not locked on Mavericks host, Walker Mail. I'm locked on <laughs> Hornets host, Walker Mail. And we'll continue to talk about the Hornets winning ways. We'll also try to give you a little Carolina Panther conversation on the other side of the break. Mike Kay of the Charlotte Observer joins us to discuss whether we can keep Brian Burns, Derek Brown, and Frankie Louvu and go after some offensive pieces. What is the likelihood of that happening? Is it prudent for them to do that? We'll discuss it all coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's Wes and Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ reminding you to join Willie P, Will Palachik, and Jessica Charman tomorrow night as Charlotte FC opens their 2024 season at home against New York City FC. The WFNZ Doghouse presented by Jack Daniels will open at 4.30 with the help of our sponsors, Pepsi, JJ's Red Hots, and Planet Kia. The pregame starts at 7 and all the action begins at 7.30 right here on Sports Radio 92.7. WFNZ. Seriously? It seriously does, Willie. We can't wait to hear you on the call. I can't wait to be there and watch Charlotte FC kick off their season. Let's go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline and welcome Mike Kay of the Charlotte Observer to the Body Works Plus guest hotline on Sports Radio 92.7 FM. You can follow Mike Kay on Twitter at Mike underscore E underscore K. Mike, thanks so much for the time, man. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Mike, I wanted to have you on so we could talk about if the Carolina Panthers could actually bring the band back together, such as you answer with a nice question from Chris in your mailbag edition on the Charlotte Observer. So Chris asked if it was possible to keep Brian Burns, Frankie Louvu, and Derek Brown without decimating the Panthers' salary cap. And you said it was possible to do all of that, despite Brian Burns being one of the highly coveted free agents. We'll see about the franchise tag. And Frankie Louvu being rated the number one linebacker in free agency by a lot of different outlets. So I, I know you write about this a little bit. I do advise people to go check out your article. They can find it on your Twitter handle and the Charlotte Observer. But Mike, if you don't mind explaining just how they could do it and if you think it would be prudent to keep all of these guys back on the defensive side. Well, for one, you know, this is going to be like, you know, you see those gifts on, online of like numbers flying around people's heads. To simplify this, when you sign a guy to a long-term contract, typically what you do is you give them a large signing bonus and you spread it out through the first three years of the contract, which then allows you to lower a cap hit. So let's say you sign Frankie Louvu, I'm just saying three years, $30 million, and like $15 million of that is a bonus. The other $15 million is his base salary. So you would spread it out through three years, of the contract and lower his cap number because just because this guy is making a $15 million bonus and a $5 million salary and that's $20 million doesn't mean that's going to be his cap number. So what you do is you lower the cap number. Let's say his cap number $7 million. Okay, cool. $7 million. That seems really palatable, right? Well, guess what? You've got Derek Brown coming off the Pro Bowl season. If you sign him into an extension, you can say you can lower his cap number and save roughly $9 million. So you're paying basically for Luvu and then getting additional credit 
if you extend Derek Brown before free agency and then also sign Lugu. Then from there, you've got the franchise tag to use on Brian Burns. If Brian Burns signs the $22.5 million deal or whatever it is right now, yeah, that's going to put a hindrance on your cap. But if you can work out a long-term deal, you can dramatically save money because, again, you can lower his cap number and his base salary and make up for it with a bonus to spread out through years of the contract. Now, I know that's like a lot of gymnastics there. It's just doable. The answer to the question is, yes, it's doable. Is it prudent? Depends on what the number is for Brian Burns. Because right now, you know, there are reports out there that they offer $27 million. That's exactly what Joey Bosa makes per APY. Um, and Bosa's a four-time Pro Bowler. Burns is a two-time Pro Bowler. Burns has better durability, but Bosa has had four 10-plus sack seasons with the Defensive Rookie of the Year uh, and signed the contract a little while ago and is older. So like, there's a lot of gymnastics. The market changes. But to answer the question, it would be prudent depending on what Burns gets. So, Mike, just to continue this, is it an either-or situation on how you want to allocate your resources to bringing all of these guys back defensively and getting a top-notch wide receiver? Like, do you have to pick one or the other, or is it possible to do everything you just talked about, all those defensive pieces, and also get one of these other guys at wide receiver like a Pittman, a Calvin Ridley, and a Mike Evans, I know at different price points, but somewhere in that tier? Well, it'd be really difficult if you have to franchise tag Burns. Like, this is really a race to get a lot of things done before March 13th. Now, if you put the franchise tag on him and say, hey, go check out your market, the non-exclusive tag, see what you're worth. See if somebody's willing to pay, you know, maybe not two first-round picks, but we can work out a deal if they're willing to pay what you want. And I just, I find that to be kind of interesting because, you look at two guys who outplayed Ryan Burns last year. They got traded at the deadline. Montez Sweat only secured a second-round pick, and that was with a, a massive extension attached to him. And then Chase Young was a third-round pick, and he didn't get an extension. So I'm interested to see who would be willing to pay Burns what he wants as well as compensate the Panthers in, in, a, in a nice way. And so if Burns is on the franchise tag, regardless of whether you re-sign Lubu, regardless of whether you extend Burt Brown, that's going to put a hindrance on what they can do in free agency. So that gives Burns leverage. Um, that's why I think you'll see them kind of wait until they absolutely have to, to assign a franchise tag if they plan to do that. Mike K joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. And Mike, when you look at this defense, is it are they good where they're at if they're able to re-sign Lubu Brown's Luvu, Brown, and Burns, or do you think that they still could use another maybe high-priced item on defense, or do they think that they're just in a position with those guys, if they can get them secured, that they can just kind of build around them uh, with guys that aren't going to cost so much? Well, I, I think their strategy of building the defense through the draft works. I would put money into the offense, especially if you're going to pay three guys you know, upwards of $10 million a year. Um, they're going to need help at corner. Obviously, one of the avenues to saving money, uh, they can save $5.9 million by cutting Dante Jackson, who's had a pretty inconsistent career. Um, they also can can move some money around by doing some restructures. 
But I think, you know, when you see C.J. Henderson, he's going to hit free agency. Troy Hill might be back just because he's got a connection to the staff and played relatively well last year. Sam Franklin is going to be a free agent. There's stuff to be done at cornerback, inside linebacker, depending on what Shaq Thompson's situation and Lugu's situation are. But they really need an edge number two, and I think day two is going to be where they have to address that. I don't think they're going to be able to address the offense with, like, you know, quality starters and then go try to make deals with guys like Daniil Hunter or whomever if they've already signed Brian Burns. Like, Bryce Huff is a really interesting player. Comes from the Jets, had a higher sack percentage, half uh, pressure rate than than Brian Burns last year, actually. And I think he's going to be one of the bells of the ball in free agency. If they do decide to tag and trade Burns, I wouldn't be surprised if Huff was a big target for them. And so you're talking about the offense and and getting weapons there. Do you think that this is a situation where the Panthers uh, should try to build the receiving core through the draft and through low-priced free agents that are young, or do you really think that they need to go out and really spend big to find that number one guy? I think that the fallback plan would be to build around – you know, the medium market. I think the B-level market for wide receiver is significantly better than it was last year, like significantly. Um, the issue they're going to have is getting one of those top-tier guys. You want to find Mike Evans at 30. Uh, obviously, he's coming off a really good season and knows Canales, but, like, to have two-thirds plus 30 wide receivers who are your main two targets when this team looks like it's going to be in a major rebuild that's something you need to weigh. Um, I think a lot of people are really intrigued by the Brendan Ayuk trade rumors. You're probably trading 33 and then some and giving up a lot of opportunity costs, which is what draft picks are. You can cost control players if you do that, plus you're going to have to sign them to an extension. So there's a lot for Brent Phillips to weigh here. He's brilliant when it comes to the numbers based on his history, but like they're going to have to figure out what they want to do, and they can't overextend themselves. You notice with Dan Morgan and Dave Pinellas, there were no talks of, hey, let's win the division this year. I think they need to play this patiently one way or another. And so there are receivers out there on the secondary receiver market like Noah Brown, Gabe Davis, Tyler Boyd. Are, are, is there a receiver in particular that you feel like is in that second wave after some of the big superstars that could really come in and have Adam Thielen-type value, maybe not 100 catches, but really come in and have an impact? So Gabe Davis, as you mentioned, is a guy who was in Buffalo. He was drafted while um, Dan Morgan was an executive there. Um, I really like his upside. Uh, you know, he's been very inconsistent in Buffalo. I do wonder if he was the focal point of an offense, if, if that would make him a little bit uh, more fluid in his production. Um, he's a guy who's kind of interesting. I, I think when you look at this market, though, it, 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 you're going to have to kind of double tap, as it were, um, when it comes to wide receivers if you're going to go with that secondary market you bring up Noah Brown he's kind of interesting I, I don't think there's like a one guy who you're like yeah man we missed out on T Higgins we missed out on Bryant and then IU this guy can totally fill that role uh you know Michael Pittman could be uh franchise tag I think he's more of a high-end number two wide receiver personally um but here he would definitely be an upgrade so it'll be interesting to see how they do that 
Um, I just think they've drafted guys in the second round of wide receiver, and those guys have shown that it takes time to really kind of capitalize. Wide receiver used to be a position where you kind of ease guys into it. Obviously, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, pretty much anybody who went to LSU uh, or Clemson basically has, has debunked that theory over the years. But I think, you know, we've seen it with Jonathan Mingo. You can't just expect this guy to come in and be the number one wide receiver. Mike, we'll get you out of here on this one. We know about the obvious questions with Brian Burns, with Derek Brown extension and stuff like that. Is there a question about this team you don't think uh, enough people are asking about an underrated, uh, underrated aspect about this team heading into the offseason, if you will? Well, I think if you go and you revisit the Bryce Young trade, um, you know, I, I didn't criticize them too much because I was also somebody who said that they needed to identify their quarterback and go get him. But we brought up opportunity cost earlier on in the pot, in, in the show, and while they have tons of cap room in 2025 and 2026, you also have to remember, like, they gave up some really high-priced, opportunistic lottery tickets to trade up for this pick. They gave up two second-round picks. They gave up an extra first-round pick. Those are cost-controlled items, and I think you're seeing that they're going to have to spend or be patient in order to build this team up the right way. And I think that's going to be interesting as we kind of watch them spend in free agency, as we watch this new regime develop talent and who they target. That's Mike Kay from the Charlotte Observer joining us here on Wesson Walker via the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Had him talking about his mailbag article on the Observer. Can Carolina afford to keep Burns, Luvu, and Brown? He wrote it over a week ago, but it's going to be one of those articles I feel like it's nice to keep going back to to see, okay, how can Carolina do this? It's a great article to make sense of the cap situation. Mike, we appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. At Mike underscore E underscore K. That's where you can find him in all of his Panthers coverage. What do you have to say or what do you think about what Mike had to say right there with keeping some of these guys defensively and how that might limit you, not make it impossible, but limit you in going after one of these top flight receivers? Yeah, uh, I think, you know, for Panther fans, they have to be, you know, a little bit hopeful because keeping the defense together is going to help. I mean, we're talking about a defense that last season was number three in total defense. So to get most of those guys back and then hopefully you upgrade at some positions without breaking the bank. So, uh, you know, I think that will do nothing but pay dividends for the Panthers. But as far as it affecting the receiver market, I mean, you know, this is one of those things that you're very hopeful that the Panthers are able to go out and land one of these ones, but it's a lot of obstacles in the way to get some of these guys. And that's why I asked the question I did about the secondary market, because Mike Evans, there's a lot of variables there for that to happen. Same thing with T Higgins and, uh, you know, some of those other guys. And so, you know, I think that obviously those three players are going to take up a decent amount of their cap, but I still think that the Panthers can find a way. NFL teams seem to always find a way when there's a guy out there that they really want, they can find a way to make the numbers work. And so, uh, you know, I think that even if they do do that, them going after a a, a top flight number one type of guy, I think it's still going to be doable for them. And then they, they can still have draft capital this year and in the future to be able to add depth as well. I think the thing he does a good job illustrating is, even if we have the New Orleans Saints, who are always the team we go to when people try to tell you that the cap doesn't matter because the Saints always they restructure did it. it. Again. They did it again with Derek Carr. <laughs> but what the Saints do every single time, so they do it every offseason, right? It's because they continue to procrastinate on paying these guys. And so when you restructure, it doesn't mean that the money just goes away. 
What it means is that you kick the can down the road so you don't have to pay it in 2024, but you can pay it in 2025. All right, so we'll restructure again. Now we'll just pay it in 2026 and so on and so forth. Carolina's in this weird area where we would love to see them greatly improve. Of course we would. But it would take a lot for this team to do the whole last in the division to first in the division type thing. It's possible because there are plenty of turnarounds that are unforeseen. Let's look at Houston last year. Mm -hmm. Maybe Bryce Young has a monstrous jump from his rookie season to his sophomore campaign. You keep the defense together. They're a top five unit because if you think about it, Derek Brown, Brian Burns, two studs on the defensive line. You have a Frankie Louvu, who is the top linebacker on the free agent market. And let's just say J.C. Horn is healthy the rest of the year. Every single level of the defense, Wes, you got first round picks that are big boy contracts, too. So maybe the defense is top five. And then you make those secondary wide receiver moves. Mm -hmm. They get enough separation to give you, what, 800 yards, you know, 700 yards here. The tight end's more involved, right? That's how you get better this year. Does that win you the division, though? That's going to be tough. So if you don't think it wins you the division, then maybe you just go ahead and pay the guys without restructuring a whole lot this offseason and just take your medicine, if you will, so you don't kick the can down the road because in 2025, like two years from now, when you feel like you are supposed to contend, oh man, now we're really cap strapped. What are we going to do? Because we restructured these guys like Hayden Hurst, Miles Sanders. We're talking about dead money in some of these scenarios. I don't want to rack up the dead money. So, okay, it's great. We don't have to worry about it here. We can go after and help out our young QB and try to keep our defense intact. But if we're not expected to make a lot of noise in the postseason either anyway, hell, they can be 500, and it's a win. You get 500 this year or, you know, 8-9, 9-8, nine, nine something like that, it's a win. But then next year when you're looking to make that next jump, which is hard, and then you don't have a lot of cap space, and now you got to restructure a lot more to just kick the can down to 2026, that's why it might be tough. I do like the advantage of having Brant Tillis, though, who is highly regarded as a as an excellent capologist in this league, and you bring him over from Kansas City, where they had to do a lot of the maneuvering like that over there with the champs. I like having that guy on our side. Yeah, man, and you need that to be able to make this whole thing work because the thing is, is that fans also, you have to have patience because every year there are going to be some big ticket items on the free agency market at a position that you're going to need. So it's not like if you miss out this year, it's going to be, oh man, there's no way you're going to ever be able to find a one again. It can happen, and so that's the thing. You just have to be patient and make the right moves, and I think now with this Panthers front office, I mean, we'll see if Dan Morgan uh, and the rest of the crew are able to get this thing done, but I think that, you know, patience and making shrewd moves will be the ones that will pay off in the long run. So we're trying to figure out what they'll do in free agency. They don't have a lot of draft picks because of the way they moved up to number one to go select Bryce Young, but with the picks they have in this NFL draft, what kind of damage can they do? Offensive of laden first round very deep at wide receiver deep at offensive tackle not considered a real strong defensive class do we do the thing that the panthers did a few years ago where every single selection is on the defensive side if you sign burns luvu brown do you just make every single one of these draft picks on the offensive side let's talk about it a little bit more on the other side of the break you can text us 704-570-9610 it's wesson walker sports radio 92.7 wfnc 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You know, we're continuing to create a playlist, and by we, I mean Wes, is continuing to create a playlist for Fiddy, who likes all this new music that he's never heard before, and it makes me happy that Hustler Music was an instant ad, because this is a classic, and I'm glad Fiddy is down with the classic. Yeah, man, we're getting this thing done. We're 13 tracks deep, and I told him he has enough uh, for a light album at this point, and I asked him <laughs> if he wants me to turn it over to him, because like I said, 13 tracks that's a light album. That's a 2024 album. And you've never heard this before since we started playing it, though? Because you like it every time we play it. I think Kyle runs with it, too, if I'm not mistaken. But this one's a classic from, from old Wheezy. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't remember this one from my childhood. I can take you a little behind the scenes. I, Wes was behind you the other day, and he saw me put the, the music in. So I have, like, six different music folders for you guys. It's I got more music folders than sound effect folders. Okay. But you have a lot of both. I've got a lot of both. Um, I'm I'm doing this folder in reverse. So I started at the end of the folder, okay. and I'm working to the front. I'm at the second column to the front. This is the best, like, consecutive amount of, of good music that he has. Okay. Because I think I've told him three songs on this column. Yeah, I want that. So this is, and you're saying this is Wes's music this that is, he's dropped in. Yeah, this gotcha. is titled Wes Music. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I can't take any credit for any of the music that you like here. Not in this folder, at no, least. No. Okay. I do have a Walker Music folder. Then I have a Wes and Walker Music folder. And then I have Midday Music, which is mine. Okay. And y'all don't like my music. I don't know if that's true. We just never go to it. Which is, by we, I mean you again. So I'm using we a lot, but really I just mean you and Wes in different scenarios. We'll see what the Carolina Panthers do with the NFL draft, but we have some people writing in about what they want Carolina to do in free agency. Fluke Juki writes in, Walker, why are you getting my hopes up just for me to be let down again? This was the whole restructuring of the cap situation this offseason, pushing it down the road. And look, I perhaps I'd emphasize that a little too much because you can – do both right you can restructure a few contracts here and then restructure a few contracts next offseason like it's not crazy to do that every single year you just i would like to not be in the same situation especially now where you're having to restructure deals with a mediocre team but i'd also like to be mediocre again too so maybe the first part isn't necessarily true you can do it brant tillis is going to do a good job and this is a panthers team that has a lot of versatility that they can roll with. The problem is they just need to hit on their draft picks so they don't have to try to upgrade at every single spot all the time, right? Like if you hit on your draft picks, then you have your cost control guys where this situation doesn't happen nearly as much where, all right, we got to upgrade at receiver, defensive end, offensive tackle, offensive guard, everywhere, everywhere. So it's all about finding the talent that actually hits in free agency and, of course, the draft. Yeah, and when you look at the strengths and weaknesses of this draft, but you look at the strengths, and a lot of people talk about the quarterback depth, the wide receiver depth, and the offensive tackle depth. Yeah. And those are two positions uh, that the Panthers could potentially use. Offensive tackle, that's a little bit looser there if you're talking about a guy you 
I don't see you taking a guy with the picks that the Panthers have that you're going to maybe move Icky inside with, but maybe there's a guy that at guard you see him as a real talent. I mean, there's a guy at tackle that you see could be a real talent at guard, and maybe you take him and you do that. And so those are positions uh, of need for Carolina. And so this draft is just so vital that you have to hit on at least 50% of these picks because when you talk about only having six, we know in a normal traditional draft you would have seven, uh, but only having six picks and then having a light draft class last year as well, that uh, you've really got to make the most of these picks that you have. And you always want to, but you know a couple of them are not going to work. So as far as where they should focus it, uh, like I said, I'm not in the war room with them to see what their draft board is going to stack up like, but it's not rocket science Rocket science to know what positions that they need. And once they get to that 33rd pick, is there a receiver there that you think is a game changer? Is there offensive lineman or a pass rusher there that you think uh, is a game changer, especially with that second and that third round pick? Uh, those are picks that you're going to have uh, you know, 32 picks within each other. So that board needs to be Trump tight. And uh, you got to hope, man, that you hit on that second rounder and that third rounder for sure. So I was listening, get the barking sound ready here, Fitty. I was listening to the Mina Kimes podcast featuring Lenny. Featuring <laughs> Listen to that one. Listen to that <laughs> podcast. And it was Mina and Field Yates giving us a primer on the NFL draft. What we can expect. They are absolutely in love with the wide receiver group. And so are a lot of other people. And that's how it's felt like the last, what, seven years? We've talked about this a lot. Seven on seven, just creating monsters at that position. But here they are talking about how this could be the best wide receiver class that they've ever seen before. And they're not like shock jocks. They're not like take artists, right? These are about as, hey, let's evaluate as much as we can. Let the film speak for itself type of evaluators that you have in NFL draft world and just NFL takery. They're letting the film speak for itself. So if you're at 33 and you see a run of wide receivers, right? I wonder if, like for me, Wes, as I continue to just take in some of other people's evaluation and some notes about the draft, Clearly, you want to try to take best player available as much as possible. But you're going to have a wide receiver that fits that bill. Mm -hmm. It's going to be easy to have those two things coincide. BPA, position of need, wide receiver, you're going to be able to make that case. The more and more that we get closer to the draft, like the more I want this 33rd overall pick to be a receiver. That's what I'm looking at. Especially with what we were discuss discussing with offensive tackle, because it's deep there too. But if you're really going to give Vicky Aquanu another shot, which I'm okay with, you just got to shore up the inside. But if you're going to give Vicky Aquanu another shot at left tackle and you don't think an offensive tackle that you would draft there would overtake Vicky's spot and you would want to move him to a different position, man, there are so many guys like A.D. Mitchell from Texas. They love him. Leggett, who plays a lot bigger than his 6'1 height, but he's 230, 240, looking like an old Miss wide receiver, they call him out there. Just one of those freaks like A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. There are so many guys that feel like they could be a top-notch wide receiver immediately. That's the position I'm leaning pretty heavily as we get closer. And understandably, I'm a wide receiver guy. And so you can you can uh, criticize me of being too biased for the position. It's just this class is chock full of them. Well, you know, I love wide receivers as well. And, uh, you know, I won't ever deny that. But, 
again, like I always say that the Panthers, uh, I think they got themselves into trouble a lot in the Cam Newton era by not addressing the offensive line as thoroughly uh, as they should have. And so I think, again, if you've got a guy um, – Again, it's just going to come down to what the board looks like and what you have. But if you have an offensive tackle and a receiver that are on equal planes or an offensive lineman and a receiver that are on equal plane that you feel like either one of them you could really plug in and they would really be a productive guy for you, I'm going to go with the offensive lineman. And a lot of it's going to depend, too, on what you do in free agency. Like, do you go out in free agency and grab one or two guys? Do you go get a Gabe Davis? Do you go get a Tyler Boyd? Do you go get... Uh, somebody like that, and then, you know, come back next season with Thielen and then one of those guys, and then Mingo improving, and then maybe make some small, you know, value signings there for some depth uh, on the back end of that core, man. But I still just think for the Panthers, especially with a quarterback that got sacked 62 times last year, you've got to be able to make those upgrades at the position, and especially with a young guy uh, that you're not going to have to pay a ton of money to that could come in and help shore that up. Uh, I think you got to go there. That'll be a battle that you and I uh, deal with all the way up. I'm not going to fight too hard. Well, I mean, you, you might be looking for one. I'm not going to give you a big battle. <laughs> like I, Maybe it happens that way. I I wouldn't be angry if they drafted an offensive tackle. To me, it's just if Iki Kwanu, if we think he's going to still play left tackle, mm-hmm. and then you draft this offensive tackle at 33, you draft somebody there one spot away from being technically a first-rounder, those guys should be starting right away or be getting a lot of ro- getting a lot of run. And if that's the case, then all right, well, Brady Christensen played pretty well when he was healthy, but wasn't healthy last year. So do you do you, you sit still got center and the other guard you need to address too. Oh, I don't but they're not gonna cut Bozeman. So if Bozeman's your starter and then Austin Corbett being like injury prone, maybe, but yeah. you're laughing at it? Yeah. Bringing Bozeman back, I mean, I but mean, no, with him look, being there because you got to pay him. I mean, I'm t- I'm with you. Oh, look, he wasn't good in pass protection. I'm just, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what they're going to do. I'm mm-hmm. not telling you that's who it should be. No, 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 no doubt. Cap, cap situation. Mm-hmm. As we talk about dead money, they're not going to cut him. So, are you going to start somebody else over him? And plus, you know, centers, man, like center is the position. It's very running back like in the sense that you can find those guys a lot later. Center, what's the the top notch centers in this draft? Like they get drafted, what, like second round a lot of the time? Mm-hmm. Like if they are in the first round, it's the late. It's, you know, maybe there is one at 33. I'm just, I don't but think I they're going to address it. If they cut, because I've seen him on lists of potential cuts and they said they could save 4.3 million by cutting Bozeman. I just think the dead money is going to be too much, but we'll see. I don't think so, but we'll see. And so, yeah, you're not getting, basically, you're not going to get eight sacks, 32 pressures, man. Got to do something at that position. Send us the quarterback of your old line, man. So you're saying just cut both? I hear yes. you. I got, Hell yeah. I, what, what I want to send us giving up eight sacks and 32 pressures for? What 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 purpose is he serving me? He's a good guy. That's great. I don't mean a damn on the <laughs> you football could be field. A good guy. You could be a good guy selling insurance, or you could be a good guy as a backup or anything like that, but you got to upgrade that thing, man. Okay. Well, we'll see if they do that at 33. Like, there, there are plenty of upgrades that need to be made, I think is my point, right? Like, you can go offensive line. I get it. You need help there. Plenty of upgrades that need to be made. You'll have your opportunities at 33. We'll see what they do in free agency, so on and so forth. Two more hours to go. Campus Corner coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.